So first of all, obviously 1986, some time ago, Chernobyl, an event that had a huge impact, not only within the region, the former Soviet Union and Ukraine, but of course around the world. Um, a lot was written at the time. A number of books have been produced since then. Um, you know, sometimes when you talk, particularly perhaps to, to Russians and Ukrainians, they say, yeah, but we know all this now. It's a little bit ancient history. You know, what is new? So tell us, what is new about your book? Well, uh, this is amazing that you said that because that was the reaction, for example, of some uh, publishers in Ukraine when they were looking at the book that is doing quite well uh, here in UK in particular. And the reaction was, okay, what new uh, uh, could be there? Well, I was really surprised when I started working on that book that despite the fact that a lot of stuff was published and every anniversary there were new interviews appearing and so on and so forth, till today there was no such thing as, as a history of that event. The, uh, some basic stuff was not done in terms of putting, putting chronologically things into, uh, in, into order and establishing connections between those things. For example, we know from, from uh, documentaries, from newsreels, okay, there are miners, okay, they, they, they're working there, bareheaded, they're, they're sacrificing their, uh, uh, their health, they risk their lives. What in the world are they doing there? I, 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 it was difficult for me to figure out at what stage they appeared, why they were needed, what they did, to, to what degree that affected the, the, the outcome. It turned out that, okay, there was just one of many theories that they wanted to build a, a platform, a concrete platform under the, uh, under the reactor, and eventually they abandoned that project. Uh, so. These things I had, I had to really look for, reconstruct, put all these things in order. And uh, that, is, that is in itself a contribution. I didn't know, I didn't think that I would have to do that basic uh, um, uh, history, uh, uh, historical research and just establishing uh, chronology. So this is one thing. Another thing is that I uh, introduced uh, uh, new sources. Um, you know, mostly from uh, the cave archives of two types. The first one are the KGB documents and KGB, KGB materials. And we knew a little bit about the KGB role in being the um, um, person who are looking after the safety issues. So for example, if there are any violations, they would report that to their bosses, their bosses would report to the party officials. But very little, Basically, nothing was done about the KGB as the people who were trying to control the information after the exclusion. Uh, going after the, the, the dissidents, um, uh, establishing, establishing the surveillance of the uh, National Geographic team that was there and whom they're meeting with and, and, and uh, whom not. So that, that, is, that is new. Another, another um, um, block of, of new documents deal with the activities of the government commission that was created in Ukraine specifically to deal with the issues of resettlement, deciding on, okay, we have this contaminated meat, what do we do it? Do we eat it or, or, or we, we dispose of it? Um, uh, here, here in UK, they were uh, slaughtering sheep because it was considered to be too contaminated. 
Well, uh, you look at the protocols of that commission. They're taking contaminated meat and they try to spread it all over Ukraine and then the Soviet Union and add it to, to sausages. So it's, 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 it's quite, quite shocking what, what you can find though, there in those new materials. And one more thing that is new that wasn't there before, it's the history of disaster that covers not just uh, a few days or a few months around that. I start before before the explosion. I talk about about the um, situation in the country. Gorbachev just becomes general secretary. A little bit about the history of Soviet nuclear project, and then and really with the construction of the new uh, uh, new shelter, this multi-billion international project that is done mostly by 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 the French, but also with the cooperation of the others. So uh, it's, it's uh, what that allows me to do. It allows me to see of how the relationship to the nuclear changes in that particular part of the world. From the love affair with the nuclear, okay, we are members of, the, of, the, of, the, uh, of this nuclear club. We are doing these wonderful things. This is cutting uh, edge technology. That adds to our national pride let's say in Ukraine, maybe we don't have a state, but we are, we, we are part of that big thing. To complete reverse once, once Chernobyl happens, when the uh, parliament decides to, to stop the construction of the, of the uh, new reactors that the construction already started, uh, to go nuclear free, and then a few years later, in the 1990s, in the middle of this economic collapse, the same parliament, not not new, not new parliament. The same, the same people, vote to restart all these reactors, and it was only under enormous pressure from the West, with uh, political pressure, but also uh, pouring a lot of money into into the development of other other reactors. That Chernobyl was closed, and today Ukraine, the country of Chernobyl, more than 50% of all electricity is produced by nuclear, and there is no discussion about that. So um, that, that um, um, chronological span, again, allowed me to look at the story of Chernobyl uh, from a different perspective and go beyond just the pure drama of what happened, but draw maybe lessons about what, what we as, 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 uh, as humans, as, as a world society as a whole, um, can learn from that, and my, my, my con conviction is that there is a, still a lot, a lot to be learned from that experience. So just set the scene for us a little bit. 1986, you're Ukrainian, you were living 500 kilometers or so from the plant. Just, just cast your mind back, what was, what was it like at the time being a resident in the region as this global level catastrophe was taking place? Uh, first of all, uh, it was a really exciting time on one level, in the sense that after a long period of the general secretaries that were dying and the country, the Soviet Union, clearly in, in, the, in this crisis, there is a new and very dynamic leader appearing on the international scene. And this is Mikhail Gorbachev. And changes are being introduced. So it's, uh, the expectations are really, really very, very high. And turns out, and I write about that in the book, that 
uh, Gorbachev's solution to economic problems was um, the scientific technological progress. And they were prepared to double the, the uh, number of the uh, uh, reactors, nuclear reactors, units, to be put online within the next five years compared to the previous five-year uh, period. And uh, sometimes people ask me, uh, how do I remember April 26, 1986? And I'm saying, and I believe that almost everyone who lived, who lived at that time in the Soviet Union, not, not immediately next to the reactor, no recollections about what April 26 looked like. Because we learned that something happened and apparently a small kind of an accident and everything was under control, but we learned about that three days after it happened. And only after, after uh, people in, in, in uh, Sweden and here in UK also learned about that. So that, that was a major, major shock. So there is a new government, a new leader, you have these high expectations and then you have to rely on the information that comes from BBC or Voice of America or Deutsche Welle or something like that to tell you what is going on there. Providing some advice on, on, on okay, it's better to stay indoors and so on and so forth. And uh, Mr. Gorbachev uh, addresses the nation uh, 18 days after that happened. Uh, Two-thirds of his speech is attacks of the West and how the West is unfair in, in, in treating this relatively minor accident as a big, as, as a big deal. And I happened to be, when uh, he was delivering that, that speech, um, I happened to be in Kiev, and, and so pretty close, much closer than I lived at that time, pretty close to the, to the reactor, and I remember uh, with this, what, what hopes and expectation people were waiting for that, for that speech and how disappointed they were. Um, the, 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 the voices were among, among uh, my friends, okay, that he's finished, no one will trust him anymore. It turned out to be not, not as dramatic, Gorbachev recovered, but that, that the, I, I remember those were, the, the, that was the reaction and I was really surprised when later working with the KGB materials that I mentioned to you, found that they were actually very accurate reporting on the, on the uh, atmosphere, on the attitudes, on what was said in, in circles of uh, know, intelligentsia and, and university professors and students, because I recognized some, some of things that I heard at that time and, and, and forgot, but they're there they're in the archives. So let's just go back a little bit to the origins of what happened at Chernobyl, and you, you paint very well that wider context. It seems to me there's some very strong, very specific Soviet aspects mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. the antecedents of all this. So, as you mentioned briefly, the, the drive for scientific progress, the need for new sources of energy, but also this very macho, if I could say, top-down uh, sort of approach to driving forwards and, and, frankly, a rather sort of bullying, hectoring, and also secretive style that really mm -hmm. pushed in the direction. I mean, would those be some of the key drivers that you would identify as central uh, to this? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it is about, about the secrecy of the system, where the, the reactor was developed in basically military 
military min ministry, which was called Ministry of Media Machine Building, which was just a, a state within a state with its own army and, and plants and, and, and uh, scientific institutions. And then was uh, first tried at the nuclear power station that was run by that ministry and then passed to the, uh, to the um, uh, civilian uh, ministry without uh, part of the knowledge that was acquired. So because the, the uh, in uh, technical terms, the uh, accident, which is very close but with different consequences, very close to the one that took place at Chernobyl, before that taking place in 1975 at the uh, nuclear power plant near today's city of St. Petersburg, at that time Leningrad. But again, the, the information about what happened and how was, was kept secret even from the engineers, from the operators within, within the system itself. So that is, that, that, that is one aspect. Another aspect is that um, the, the, the way how you survived in the Soviet system, and I understand that this is not only unique for the Soviet system, but that's the way it was most pronounced, is by, by avoiding responsibility, by, by being a yes man. And it took them uh, more than 24 hours to arrive to the decision that, okay, they have to evacuate the city that was a few, uh, a few miles away. A few, a few, this is really a few, two miles, uh, a mile and a half away from, from the reactor. Um, and the decision had to be made at the very top. So the idea is, okay, we are waiting for the commission from the region to arrive and they will make the decisions and they come and, and they wait for someone from the Republican level to come and then, then from, from the all-union level. And even, even the conclusion that, okay, the dam reactor had exploded, you needed the deputy uh, prime minister of the Soviet Union to come and, and pronounce those words. And that, of course, is, is, is completely unacceptable in the situations like that. And that is, that, that is just a, a, small, a small window into, into the, the system as a whole. One thing though, that you highlight very well are some interesting nuances even within um, the administration, the tensions, different points of view within the Kiev city administration, for example, the back and forth, it wasn't simply Moscow dictating, right, or at least unquestioning implementation, was it? There were quite a lot of nuances and resistance by some of the more courageous local officials, right, for example. Right, right. right. Well, um, uh, uh, one thing that I'm, I'm pushing against, for example, is the, the narrative that was developed already after Chernobyl happened, in particular in Ukraine, that again, that was an imperial project. They put it next to Kiev. That they they were prepared to, to, to sacrifice Ukrainians and not Russians. And you look at that. It's it's a little bit different story or more complex story in a sense that Ukrainian officials that go there to, to lobby in Moscow to get this very very important investment for their region, source of energy, and. The, 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 the local, uh, the, 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 on the Republican level, the uh, writers and poets and things like that, they, they welcome that as a rival of nuclear age. So it's, it is an interesting relationship between, between the, the, the center, Moscow, and, and the, the uh, Republican local authorities. 
But at the end of the day, once the reactor blows up, there, is also, there are also tensions emerging on that level because the, the Republican authorities believe that Moscow was running the, the plant. They were responsible for that. The, the, the local guys couldn't get there even without a special permission. And now they dumped all of, all of that on the locals to deal with the evacuation, what to do with contaminated food and so on and so forth. So, so the, 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 the first tensions between Kiev and Moscow start to emerge immediately after, after Chernobyl. And that's the beginning of the story also that I try to, to bring this line from Chernobyl to Glasnost to the first mass mobilizations in the Soviet Union and eventually to the to the collapse of the Soviet Union. So that 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 that, that story is 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 much more complex than again probably most of the of the people in the region believe it is. And let's just talk about the responsibility of Gorbachev himself in mm -hmm. all this. How do you judge him in right. his behavior right. over Chernobyl? Well, uh, he he doesn't come across exactly as a hero. Uh, the, the kind of a hero that you can see in, in, in the, the, the books or accounts of, of him as a person who ended the Cold War, who brought uh, first glassness, perestroika, and then elements of democracy to, to, the, to the Soviet Union, and all of that is true. Uh, but uh, in, in Chernobyl's story, he is, he is a very different, he gets a, a very different character, so I already mentioned that it took him forever to, to, to address the nation and then the, the kind of address it was. It was a cold, very reflective of the, of the Cold War situation that was still there. Uh, he, he visited Chernobyl only once and two years after, after, after that happened. He, is, uh, he never admitted that but never denied also that he was responsible for forcing the local officials to have a May 1st demonstration in Kyiv. And uh, his his line was that okay we didn't know the, the all the all the facts we didn't know all the truth and my argument would be well we still don't know all the facts and all the truth but but uh, that doesn't doesn't remove the responsibility of, of the leaders to to be leaders in that in, the, in that crisis situation so um, it wasn't his 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 best. And, and, and his most glorious hour. And um, the, the, there are two reasons the way how, how I, I explain that again. I'm, I'm in my book, I, I don't try to be, I actually try to do everything I can not to be a judge, not to be judgmental. I'm, I'm trying to, to understand for myself and explain. And uh, when uh, it comes to Gorbachev, the explanation of that, of that really position that is really very, uh, it's, it's very sad that Gorbachev is associated with that, but uh, the, the explanation is of two kinds. The first one is that uh, he was uh, a transitional figure from the period of really the system that was created by Stalin with ultimate secrecy and, and a particular type of behavior of the leader. Uh, great, uh, great military commander Joseph Stalin uh, never visited the front line. <laughs> So it wasn't in, 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 in the Soviet, in, in, in the Soviet uh, um, tradition that's, that's 
was not what the leader was doing. So in our today's understanding, okay, one day after after that exploded and the leader is still not there, is not trying to help people. Well, that's 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 how the Soviet Union functioned. Another another explanation is that um, uh, it was given um, quite honestly, it seems to me, by the second in command at that time, Nikolai Rushkov, who was the the head of the Council of Ministers, the Prime Minister of the Soviet Union, and uh, responding to a question that came from one of the reporters who interviewed him about why you were silent, why we're not telling people what was going on, uh, he said. What did you ex expect me to do? To say that the reactor exploded, the end of the world is coming, and just people save yourself the, ba the, the, the best you can. Um, so they were really super concerned about, about panic, about losing control of the situation, and the, the most natural way for them to deal with that problem was to just withhold the information.